accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We are continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're up to the 17th episode of the third season. It's called Visionary. First aired on February 27th in 1995. Teleplay goes to John Shirley. Story goes to Ethan H. Koch. And it was directed by Reza Badii. After receiving a minor dose of radiation poisoning, O'Brien inexplicably begins experiencing a series of jumps into the near future. Meanwhile, a Romulan delegation arrives on the station, expecting an intelligence report on the Dominion. We're joined by patron Neil. Neil, how are you? This is our second rodeo sort of of the day. It's it's your second appearance on the show. It's also our second rodeo at recording. So how are you? I've jumped forward five hours and this one works well, as I can guarantee you. Excellent. Excellent. As long as you're not dead in the future and the recording is all there to send me over, over uh, email. This is future Neil. I've come back and I can tell you it all goes swimming. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll um, always be a little bit different. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, you you called me back while I was asleep, even though I was expecting you to return. But we're gonna we're going to take a break, play an audio clip. Me and Neil are gonna cross our fingers, hope this all goes well, and then after the break, we will talk about visionary. I went over the internal sensor logs, and I did find evidence of a minor temporal disturbance in Quarks, and another one later on the promenade. Both disturbances happened at about the same time as the chief's experiences. So it would seem that you did travel into the future and then return to the same moment that you left. Have you any idea what might have caused this time shift? Not yet. I want to go over the medical scans Julian took of you earlier. That dose of ionizing radiation you received might have something to do with it. How? I'm not sure, but it's a good place to start. I have heard a couple of theories that ambient low-level radiation could have a temporal... All right, Neil, so we're going to pretend that we didn't actually talk about this for a couple minutes beforehand. And uh, this is an episode that's extremely similar to Whispers, which was your previous appearance on the show. Uh, so did you did you notice anything or did you think that it was kind of a weird, maybe not a coincidence? I can't remember if I intentionally gave you this one. Um, but what, what did you think is comparison to Whispers? Uh, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, there, there's definite similarities. I mean, it's it's elevated by Meany's very, uh, I think one of the writers called it his very human performance uh, as O'Brien, which we talked about a lot last time, so we probably won't do it today. But uh, yeah, it's it's a classic, it's basically a TNG plot, but it, with DS9 trimmings. And actually that really worked for me. And I think my problem with Whispers was that the ending was such a gallop. You know, we talked about how there was five minutes left in the episode and there was still like nowhere near enough time to conclude everything and wrap it all up. But with this one, it actually felt like it was a really clever ending at the same time. It was thought through a bit more and it all the pieces sort of came together a bit nicer. And that really filled me with hope that DS9 is really getting its stuff together now. Yeah, you had mentioned um, you're on the Discord channel and you had mentioned that- I love D- Discord. DS9, I like Discord as well. Uh, I spend less time on Twitter now because of Discord actually. But um, the you had mentioned on Discord that you thought DS9 was your favorite uh, Star Trek series at this point, and I wasn't sure if you had actually watched this episode before doing it. We're a little bit ahead uh, because we have a couple episodes to go before we get to this one, uh, but this was the recording time that worked out for us. But uh, Visionary is... Visionary, as you say, is a very TNG plot in a DS9 story, and I think that... Or in a DS9 setup, and I think that it actually... 
it actually works both ways for me where i'm i'm not really sure if i think that it's a i'm not really sure if the series does tng plots all that well although i don't know if it's really just the, the sense that tng plots belong to tng and i don't know if this series is different enough where they should be trying to do something else from them but that said i do like the mystery aspect of i like these sort of standalone mystery episodes even though I think that the the mystery here is a little less satisfying than Whispers on some level because of how the how the episode is structured, I guess. But you're right that it's a Colmini joint. Um, it is a good O'Brien episode. It's a good little mystery. And I think one of the things that's actually strongest, and I was wondering if you had caught on to this, is the while this mystery is working in the foreground, the background of the episode is all about the serialized plots that have been happening for the the season basically with the Romulan delegation appearing to talk about the dominion and everything. Um, did you find that unique or did you find that sort of a, a problem with how the episode was going along? No, I think, I think that's what I'm really responding to at this point of the show is, uh, I think one of my problems coming to, um, to TNG and DS9 at this stage, you know, 25 years after they aired or 23 years in this case is I can kind of spot a throwaway episode at the start within the first few minutes and it's very hard for them to keep me hooked then but when you add in the serialization when you add in the the more the bigger picture i guess uh, it, it does make those throwaway those sci-fi mysteries those techno babble episodes it does make them it gives you more to kind of hang your hat on it gives you more to keep you interested for me anyway i i, I think the reason it's moved ahead of tng for me is that those throwaway one-off episodes in tng they feel like a bit of a lark you know they feel like a bit of uh, a bit of fun and not much to really think about. But in this, you know, it, it made me think about, well, how do I think about the Romulans? And that's not a bad achievement for a show that is, again, just a bit of a, like, one-off mystery. Yes, yeah, I I agree with you that, like, the, what's nice about the serialized backstory or the backdrop of this one is that while it ties into the plot nicely and everything makes sense in and of itself, um, the fact that it's there can lessen your dependence on the mystery being a good resolution uh because i th- I think my primary issue with visionary is that the setup is a cool it's a cool idea but the jumps start getting a little bit silly as the episode goes along and you know o'brien towards the end of his like the very first one is probably the most effective where he sees himself talking to quark and then five hours later he's back talking to quark and he looks back and he sees himself as he had appeared before across the uh, across the promenade across the way and that's a very creepy good one it gets a little it's like then he sees himself die because the phaser thing in the wall and you're like okay that's that's interesting that's fine i know he's not going to die but that's kind of neat to see yourself die and then he does a jump where uh the station blows up and then after that he does a jump where he jumps into o'brien who is sleeping future o'brien is some for some reason asleep even though he knows that the station is going to blow up and the time travel aspect really starts to fall apart on itself at that point where future O'Brien doesn't seem like he's really a future version of O'Brien. He seems like he's another dimension O'Brien who's unfamiliar with everything that's going on. And the episode can get away with the weakness of the mystery because the plot uh, in the background is strong enough to push it forward. I actually think that the the Romulan plot here is kind of stupid on some level and uh, like it makes sense for a Romulan to want to blow up the wormhole and stuff, but the station seems very defenseless against one ship. And it, it, it kind of like, it's a lot of, um, 
I feel like every time we have a Romulan story, there's something about them sensing the warp core of the Romulan warbird. And like when they sense it halfway through this episode, I'm screaming at the TV like it's the Romulans. There's a cloaked Romulan ship out there. How can you not know that there's a cloaked Romulan ship? But other than that, I like the concept. I'm just not sure if the execution pulls it off for me in the way that Whispers did. Yeah, I I wanted to. That was my first big question that occurred to me was uh, I'm intrigued. I, I think I used to really like the Romulans or find them interesting, I guess, not like, but I used to find them intriguing. And now I find they're like a pretty second-rate Cardassian in terms of the themes that they explore. Is that totally bonkers of me to think that? I think that the, I think the Romulans are horribly underdeveloped for how often they show up. Because um, in this episode, what, do you get Cisco's line about the Romulans don't like to get directly involved in things? They'd rather pull the strings in the background? Yeah, yeah. That seems to be their prominent character trait uh i i think of them as a little bit more honorable than the cardassians would be my take like they're i don't think the romulans are really torturing people right okay but but yeah it's just it's like a strange there i guess it's almost like the it's almost stuff as simple as the character design you know if they're a race of cunning uh tricksters almost who are pulling strings machiavellian style I, I, like I, you know, we're talking about Discovery's revamp of the Klingons. Well, maybe it would have been time to revamp the Romulan look and, and just give them less of the silly space boots stuff. Uh, it just, I, I, maybe it is the underdevelopment that kind of streamed out of me. It was like when they arrive at the ship and they're kind of bossing or trying to boss Cisco around. I was a bit like, oh, yeah, the Romulans. Once upon a time, I would have been really excited to see them turn up. Like in the Defector of TNG, which is an amazing episode. Uh, you know, now I'm a bit like, oh, this is a bit wasted on the Romulans. Like, are there not more interesting races this could have? revolved around so let's I, I guess that's a good place to start so before we get into maybe before we start into the o'brien aspect of things uh, have you seen all the episodes leading up to this one or are you just did you skip ahead to watch visionary because we were uh, recording i did it? i did so i said that ds9 had become my favorite because i knew me and you were going to talk about visionary so i did skip one or two including the one where Burial dies, which was truly a stinker of an episode of TV. So <laughs> w- within two minutes of finishing that, I was wondering if I could retract my statement about DS9 because it's, uh, it's still got some bumpy moments. Uh, but yeah, I skipped ahead. So I went from past tense, which, as you'll know from the Discord channel, I love. Yeah. Uh, and actually, one of my favorite things with season three has been listening to you and Clay. I think it, you haven't actually... I, I really felt a, like, oh, this is the show getting its stuff together. I think you two have been a kind of dissenting voice or voices on that, which I think has been great. Because it's made me go, oh, am I being too generous here to this show? Because I want it to be better. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely, having skipped ahead, was like, oh, I've gone from past tense to visionary. This show is it's starting to get it right a lot. Um, I think that, uh, I think Clay had a similar experience around the search. When the search happened, he was like, all right, like guns are fucking blazing. Like we are, we yes. are going to get, like this is the new dawn of this series. And then the show quickly reverted back to its Star Trek yeah. roots, right? Like it's... It's never going to escape that. However, what I, what I think Whispers kind of does, and we talked about it a little bit in the Defiance episode with Darren, is that a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that happens in the episodes is stuff that has previously been built up. And they don't really explain what they're doing. Like the, the whole reason for the Romulans to be here is everything that's happened in the three uh, in the third season to this point like the, they they gave them the cloaking device they want the information from them the romulans aren't willing to go into the gamma quadrant themselves they'd rather have the federation do it um so it it's funny that you mentioned the 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 romulan nature i think what 
What's interesting here is that you're seeing a angle of Alpha Quadrant politics that TNG never got around to doing. Because the Romulans, all of the species in DS9 to this point are reacting to the Dominion threat, right? And everyone is reacting to them a little bit differently from each other. And to me, the strength of DS9 is that it takes those situations, which would be episodes in TNG, and it actually turns it into like a believable geopolitical landscape where you understand why the different races are reacting to things differently. And it it adds a richness to the storytelling. And the Romulans here fit my conception of what the Romulans would do. And they do it in a sort of subtle way, except for the ending. I don't really believe that they'd blow up the station. That seems a little bit extreme to me, but the, yeah, the way that they lay yeah. them out is good for me. Yeah, it's, um, and it's, I guess one of the things, I mean, I think we talked in the last time I was on about how the first kind of glimmer of hope for me with DS9 in the kind of very, very patchy early episodes was, I think, Necessary Evil, where the end is that ambiguous sort of, oh, something has changed here. And whilst next week I'll tune in and the same characters will be occupying the same space, there, something has happened here. You know, there has been a shifting of the, the relationship and evolving. And even in terms of the end of this episode, having Cisco be a badass, and the DS9 hasn't been blown up, but we all know that the Romulans had it in their plans. That felt like, that felt like even, even though it might not impact, and I'm guessing it probably won't, the next time the Romulans turn up, it still made me think, oh, I've, I've come away satisfied that at least there are shifting sands here and there's interesting things happening and afoot. Uh, versus, versus an episode of, of, of TNG where it's always a bow at the end of the episode. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's tough because we're in the, I think, listener, I think he pronounced his name Seal, it's C-I-E-L, uh, it's either Seal or C-L or something like that. The um, He he has just broken it down as he has the three portions of how he, he or she views DS9. Uh, ignore season one, it doesn't exist. Season two and three are like the intro getting to know people, and then four and five are the Cold War, and then six and seven are the actual war. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it. And the the thing about it is that the 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 development of DS9 to this point is really fleshing out the Romulan thing that I had talked about before. So the, the Romulans will be back, but I think that it's important to it's important to know how they are all reacting to things like this and how the, the Klingons will get involved eventually and the Cardassians are always out there and stuff like that. And I think the show really just sort of understands that that is the universe that they're living in. Like you can think of DS9 as a big conference room. So yeah, if I just had to summarize it, it would be that the um, the Romulans are just the way that they are portrayed here means something. I have a question for you. In your the episodes that you watched, did you watch Heart of Stone? I don't think so. Re- refresh my memory though in case. I mean, some of these titles are really washing over me. I don't think titles are DS9 strong point. Sure. Heart of Stone is the one where Kira gets stuck in the, the rock. No, God, that sounds dreadful. How did I miss that? <laughs> you didn't miss that one. So I think that Visionary actually has, Visionary ties into the Romulan aspect here of world building to me because there, there's the, the scene where um, Kira is explaining to Odo that the Romulan is asking her inappropriate questions about whether or not Odo was attracted to her yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, that's building off of Heart of Stone, which comes before this. So that there's the layering there that D, uh, DS9 does, which TNG never actually got into. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I did find that, like, just uh, while we're sort of wildfiring over here, I, I don't give a flying fluff about Kira and Odo and that storyline. Please tell me that goes away soon. No, that does not go away. Ah, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> it might it might knock down DS9 in your estimation. No, that's uh oh. that's going to be there going forward. And it, it's funny because it's so scattershot that I think Clay has never had an episode where it's brought up. So once it appears, he's going to be like, "Why is why is this just coming out of the blue for me?" Um, but what did you think of the outside of the Dominion aspect? What did you think of the the main O'Brien plotline here? We can get into breaking down O'Brien. Yeah. So uh, it 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 is it is. It's just fun. I don't know. It's just fun. It's just fun. I don't. There was something about it, as you say. It is a goofy. It is a goofy set of jumps beyond the first one. I think the first one, particularly the second time you see the first jump, uh, works really well, and it's kind of chilling in its way. Uh, and and then yeah, and then especially kind of seeing Future O'Brien just kind of disappear into nothingness. Um, it's pretty unsettling stuff. Um, but then it quickly becomes kind of pantomime stuff, and having. O'Brien save O'Brien in the barroom fight and the look that Colomini gives Colomini who gives one right back um, it, I mean I just kind of I think I was watching this at like midnight or something and I think I actually did an audible laugh which is strange for watching a 25 year old episode of TV uh, yeah. it's goofy but it's fun and I think yeah maybe you're right maybe the, the, the supporting weight of the, or the support of the serialized stuff means that I'm not, wait, I'm not relying on the mechanic of the mystery to keep me going. That can just be goofy and fun in the background, whilst I also get a bit of like fun Alpha Quadrant stuff and get to go, oh, Cisco might talk tough here in a bit. How exciting. Right. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to yell at somebody. I think that the, um, what did you think about the tone? I find that the, I find the tone where, and by the tone, I mean that the way everyone else is treating O'Brien as he's going through these jumps to be, uh, a very an interesting part of the way that the episode was written. However, I don't think it pairs really well with the seriousness of what O'Brien is experiencing in the future. Um, I love it on the level that it is a it's a kind of character comfort that TNG would never do. Like when O'Brien jumps into the sick bay in the future and he looks at his dead corpse, and Bashir comes in, and he's like, "Oh, like you're here finally." He's, and they have a uh, an argument about O'Brien can't believe that Bashir just let him die. And Bashir said, well, no, I didn't let you die. Your body just kind of gave up. And then O'Brien gets pissed off at him. Um, there, there's like the sort of jokey, uh, very familial relationship talking here. And Dax is kind of on the same level where people are more interested in the problem as opposed to the fact that the station is going to blow up. And, you know, like... O'Brien gets shot by the laser in the wall. Kira tells him that she's moved the Romulan delegation into that sector of the station. And Cisco's like, oh, that's weird. Well, let's just see how this plays out. Knowing full well that O'Brien will die because of this and he doesn't know what to do. It's just kind of a an odd pairing. I don't know if I wanted the show to be more serious or less serious. But I think that the... I think more serious because it would have tied in with the Dominion stuff a little bit better. Although I don't know. And then... Maybe the, the tone of the lightheartedness takes away from the ending a little bit. What, what did you think about the tone, about the, uh, the comedy that was interspersed and stuff? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's hard not to feel like maybe just concentrating on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fanboy here for Bashir and O'Brien, but not in the way that some creepy people on the internet do. But maybe just concentrating on that relationship i felt like whenever dax i mean this is oh god this we just continue to bash dax on the podcast but uh, i found that whenever dax was giving getting involved in the plot line or kira was even cisco to an extent it was yeah maybe it was the tone that was shifting slightly and i just it i would have preferred them to just keep it to i, I found there was real reward in the moments where bashir and o'brien were engaging on this problem 
stuff like Bashir saying, uh, who am I to argue with myself? Which I think as Zach Handlin, Zach Handlin says in the AV Club that it's actually really good writing that the uh, dynamic between these two hasn't changed, but the relationship has evolved. And that was a really nice example of that. Whereas, you know, when the whole, when they're all in ops sticking their oar in, yeah, maybe the kind of uh, immediacy of the threat was lost a bit. I think so. I, I, and I understand that. So the, the episode to me is a little bit problematic because it has very high stakes, but it feels, as you say, it might have been better as a smaller story dealing with Bashir and O'Brien uh, being maybe being a little bit separate from the main cast and stuff. So because they're on the station, O'Brien has to tell the crew about what's going on yeah. because the station is going to blow up. And that gives it a that gives it a sense of scope and scale that makes it feel like a TNG episode to me that the 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 destruction of the station is going to happen like DS9 does not really threaten destruction of the station all that much and when it does it usually is not in a better episode mm-hmm. um it's usually kind of a weaker episode when yeah. they fall back on that and i think you're right like fleshing out the bashir and o'brien relationship maybe would have been more interesting way to go about this jumping but then if his jumps don't have any stakes i don't know if they're interesting enough um i don't know how you'd rewrite it I, and having, I'll, I'll argue against myself here because actually bringing in Cisco and Odo meant that they got to have a, well, I thought it was a very nice moment uh, where they're... Uh, in his office. Ex- in examining Odo's the office. replicator. Oh, and in the office too. Yeah, actually, they had, they had a couple of good scenes in this uh, where Odo's like, you know, sometimes I need to remind you how, uh, how, how good work I, am. I do, how good I am. Yep. Yep. Uh, which was nice. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess this is the, the show finding its feet, right? This is the show... And I'm hoping and I'm guessing based on what you guys have all said on Discord that they really do start to work out some of these kinks, some of these imbalances in the storytelling. Yeah, I think it because to me, what's what's uh, before I go off on that tangent, what you reminded me of is I actually um, I like the Odo and the Cisco scene in Odo's office, mostly because of the line from Odo. He's like, I always interview Quark no matter no matter what goes on the um the replicator scene, I had a bit of a harder problem with. I like the line about Odo saying, I have to remind you how good I am. The The replicator and the bomb in the wall, to me, was too much techno babble. Like, at that point, the episode really started to crank out the sort of techno bullshit talk about what was going on. They're beaming this thing into the wall. It's not a surveillance device. It wasn't meant to kill. They used the replicator and turned it into a transporter. They, there's a quantum singularity circling the station it's way too much it's way too much shit that no one really cares about and while i put up with that stuff on tng it felt like it fit tng's style a little bit more ds9 feels fraudulent and i have little patience for their techno babble when they really get into it um it feels more like time filler than it ever did on tng uh but the the techno babble aspect there i fitting it into your Bashir and O'Brien thing, if the if the mystery of what was happening was less scientific, I probably would have liked the episode a little bit more. If it was just a, we don't know why this is happening, but it's happening. But once they start breaking down, like what, what the, did you find the Klingon and Romulan? I found that the Klingon and Romulan plot was overly complicated as a way to set up what was going to happen to the station. It's, it's weirdly, Does that make sense? Yeah, it's weirdly overcomplicated, but also slightly half-baked at the same time. Because uh, am I crazy, or is it a quite unklingony thing to do to go to such extravagant lengths to beam in a, a, a device like that? 
I would think so. I, I thought that the whole they didn't seem very Klingon-y at all. Like yeah, they're like I, the intelligence I, agency of the Klingon Empire. It doesn't seem like that's how the Klingon should operate. No, but but the idea of the Klingon intelligence agency is fascinating at the same time. Right. How yep. do they do the kind of covert black ops? We've seen the cunning races do it. It would be fascinating to see, like, are the Klingons dreadful at it? Or is it their weaker officers who are demoted to this? Or, you know, if they had, that's what I mean about half-baked, if they had put a bit more into that, that would have been fascinating to see. Instead, they just seem like three standard Klingons getting into bar fights and, you know, shouting consonants. Right. And to tie into the overall, the overall uh, plot arc with the Dominion here, the Dominion are a unified force on the other side of the wormhole, right? And this episode is kind of highlighting the Alpha Quadrant powers do not get along with each other in, in the way that the Dominion do. And the Dominion have a huge advantage in the fact that the Alpha Quadrant powers constantly try to one-up each other and that none of them trust each other. Do you think that's um, laid out in the episode, though, or is that you giving a bit of headcanon being quite favorable to... Uh... That is headcanon, but I think that the episode supports it. I'm kind of sure, implying, sure. I'm kind of kind of implying a way that the show will go forward. But at the yeah. same time, I think you can read that out of this episode, even if it isn't explicitly stated that that's what's going on. Um, but I mean, the the you know, this is a Federation station basically. But the Romulans and Klingons show up, and the Federation is trying to act as peacemaker while these two are bickering with each other, while a much larger, more important issue of the Dominion is out there. Um, and I, I think that it's a, it's a good insight into the potential problems that the Alpha Quadrant would have in defending itself. Yeah, you're right entirely. Uh, and if that's where things go, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see that, but, uh, yeah, just a little bit more work on that, on that subplot would have been, I I, I just, I want to hear that stuff. I want to hear that laid out and it might be me being stupid, but, um, maybe at this stage of DS9, I'm a bit, I'm a bit fed up of joining the dots for them a little bit you know stuff that we've talked about where you know you get excited about a great episode as i've clearly done with visionary and then you watch um you watch a stinker and sort of think well i've given you guys a lot of goodwill at this point but three seasons in uh... three seasons in (laughs) and they're getting some stuff like 75 episodes in i think that the the problem with season three so far has been that they are reluctant to really embrace the the meta not the meta but like the big dominion aspect they don't really know what to do at this point yeah yeah. um and so season three kind of feels a little bit of a stall on some level and what's fun about this episode i think is that it brings it back and i think that it does this is the kind of story that the ds9 should tell and it's maybe the reason that you liked it because you need this underlying uh dominion arc thing and then on top of that you can just do a regular star trek episode sure sure and this is a good balance of those two things. I don't think it's a great episode, but I think it's a very good, solid one that really um, kind of feels like the way that the show should go forward from here. Yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, X-Files uh, early episodes where, it, you know, the conspiracy hadn't gotten totally overblown. And you would just see hints uh, at the, you know, scratching of the surface. Uh, and they didn't need to uh, overly explain everything, but just the little tantalizing hints were enough to kind of keep you going and i'm really hoping that ds9 when it gets to unveiling the full scale of of the dominion threat uh can live up to that as you say it's sort of weird that they started the season with it and i'm guessing they'll bookend it and then in the middle we are sort of just floating along with little tantalizing tidbits yes yeah it's it's um 
it's more it's not even i wouldn't even call them tantalizing it would just be like people <laughs> kind of mention them every once in a while yeah, to like remind yeah. you that they're out there uh but yeah outside of that um that is kind of the main problem with what I think season three actually has to the, go through. Uh, the Midsummer Night's Dream episode where they kind of shoehorn in that everyone's just delighted to see their loved ones because of the Dominion threat was a bit... Uh, <laughs> I mean, either, either get on with the threat or not. I, I kind of enjoy that episode for whatever reason. I think about that episode more than a lot of these. Like, I'll, I'll just never think about life support ever again. Life support, that's what it's called. Yes, God, what a dreadful episode. So would, I, I don't know how, uh, did you enjoy the introduction of the, um, the dartboard into the Quirks bar? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know which I don't like more. There are two things in Star Trek that I really don't like. One of them is when they stick, I, got, I hope I didn't say this last time and I'm now just repeating myself. It's when they stick an invented planet in front of a thing that we use in everyday life. So mm-hmm. instead of saying, you know, oh, you'll have to try Quark's pasta. It's you'll have to try Quark's Vulcan pasta or his, his Panoldarian wine instead of just saying wine. It does my head in. I don't know what's worse, that or when they shoehorn bits of, you know, 20th century culture like a dartboard into a, a space bar. I mean, I don't... Uh, it felt... They'd, a, have a, they'd have a more futuristic version of darts, right? Yeah, like exactly. They don't have to be playing... Yeah. They wouldn't be... It wouldn't be you know, if if he's like, here, Quark, let's put some uh, music in your in your bar here. He wouldn't pull out like a phonograph, you yeah. know, from the 1920s and, and insert it. It would, it would be an updated version of the dart game. In a world where it's possible to go into a hollow suite and have a virtual version of anyone you like available, I don't, yeah. I don't see them enjoying the same uh, leisure pursuits as a 1970s pub in Northern England, you know? I, I, do you, do you like darts? Uh, I like... <laughs> I don't know how much of it breaches into uh, outside of the UK. There's a, there's a culture around darts that I like. There's a kind of a, a boozing and a, the fact that it's guys who are not in shape, who are world champions, <laughs> who, who come out to theme music and, uh, you know, there's, uh, people dress up. Like, there's a lot of fun to it, um, but I, I wouldn't really play it. And I, I, I think any bar that I went to that had darts in, I'd be more likely to just leave and go to a different bar, to be honest. Interesting. It's probably different over here. I really, I really enjoy. We don't have any sort of. Um, there's no culture yeah, around it yeah. over here. It's mostly just a nice thing when bars have dartboards because it gives you something to do. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of having sort of relatively mindless things to do while you're in situations like that. Um, and I like them for that reason. But I think that it, as on a on a production level, it's nice for the bar to do because it allows them to shoot scenes that have a little bit of action in them as opposed to people just standing next to each other. Um, the dartboard does continue to appear. You know, and in terms, of of how it was, in terms of how it was introduced and stuff, like though I had no actual problem with the scenes, uh, you know, Quark throwing the three darts at once. It's not terrible stuff. It's, it's just one of those weird bugbears. Actually, I would love to hear what other people's weird bugbears are about Star Trek because mine are those two and the 1980s soap opera style staring at the camera as you go out of the cold open but yeah. you know they they just it's just not it's not for me but i'll allow it because you know what i bet colomini is the guy who said we should have a dartboard it's kind of fun yep i guess there were rumors at this time that he uh was considering leaving the show to Whoa, go into really? film which really? never comes to pass yeah but uh he apparently had to reassure the writing staff that they didn't plan on leaving that would have been a big loss for them Oh, God, yeah, that would have been an absolutely huge loss. I mean, you know, the, the show, uh, I'm sort of not really sure about who kind of 
ebbs and flows in their involvement in the show over the next few seasons. But to me, he, and I'm not just saying this because of the Irish thing, to me, he's sort of like the heart of the show at the moment. Interesting. Yep. You'd put him above someone like Odo? Yeah, I mean, I find Odo, um, I find Odo interesting. I'm relating to his stories. Kira, I'm finding increasingly interesting. I'm guessing Cisco, because I love him being a badass, and you guys are saying there's a lot of that, uh, that sounds fantastic. But when I sort of boot up an episode, and it's, a, it's an O'Brien episode, I, it just gives me a bit of a, a warm, fuzzy feeling already that it's, it's going to at least, uh, it's going to have at least a, a, a border, like a, a base level of, of enjoyment and kind of decent acting, maybe, as well. I have a, I have a friend who really enjoys uh, the mystery episodes of Star Trek. They're like his favorite. They're his favorite kind of episodes. So it would be like the Remember Me from TNG or Clues, uh, things like that. Um, this one would probably be one that he'd enjoy. Whispers would be one that he'd enjoy. I think that similar to how the characters in TNG started to get episodes that were built around them, O'Brien's episodes going forward always kind of remind me of these Whispers and this one. Um, they're not always mysteries, but there is always kind of a TNG tilt to them in the way that they're told. Uh, so if you enjoy these kind of episodes, it would be the same for him going forward. This is, this is basically what they stick him in this. My, my question about mystery episodes, and I said last time that I really don't enjoy them. They are my, often my least favorite episodes, particularly in TNG. And maybe that's why I was so happy and responded so well to this one, because it had more to it. But do, What do you not do like you, about the if, mysteries? Just before you ask your well, question, sorry. Well, I guess my question is the answer to that. It's, do you think or do you find that the episodes provide enough clues for you to satisfyingly solve the mystery yourself. No, no, I don't. They're very um, Sherlock Holmesy mysteries where you just are incapable of getting the answer until Sherlock Holmes comes in and says everything that happened. Um, Exactly. Exactly. And when it's laid out, you sort of go, okay, you know, to varying degrees, sometimes you go, okay, because it's a Romulan ship and there's some nice plot elements in there. And sometimes you just go, Oh, it's a, clone of a species we haven't really met and okay fine yeah well it was a fun 40 minutes of telly see what i think what i think the show has to do with mystery stuff is i the way that whispers ended not this one but whispers the way that whispers ended makes me after the mystery is over i am less in, interested in the mechanics of the mystery and more about what the ending actually means for like on a, like a sort of philosophical yeah, sure. level uh violations feels like it's kind of trying to do that but i don't find it satisfying whatsoever it's a little weird that it's a different o'brien who's now going to be in the in the show for the rest of the series but it's still o'brien it's still completely it's still the same o'brien he's just from the future he's got like five hours of memories that the other one didn't have what what did you think about the ending here and did i i i looked at some of the reviews and I, i read uh you know the reviews that are available online and uh a lot of them dwelled on that point, and I sort of thought five hours of Miles O'Brien is not going to be a hugely changed Miles O'Brien. The man's barely changed through being involved in multiple intergalactic scenarios. Right. So why would, why would five hours suddenly mean, oh my God, every time we see O'Brien from now on, he's a different person. It's like, well, I mean, oh, yeah, technically, but I don't think it means anything. He didn't really experience anything otherworldly in that five hours you know he didn't experience anything that really changed him i think it's more the fact that they they play it oddly like the 
I understand O'Brien wa- willing to. It's sort of weird to be like, I'll go back in time and assume the mantle of the old me, even though I am me. But I think that the, I think it just ties into the problem of what we said at the top, where future O'Brien doesn't seem like future O'Brien as much as he's another dimension O'Brien who's unaware of everything that's going on because. You know, he's literally at the very end, he's running as the station is blowing up. He's running around in like his nightgown, uh, sort of yeah, like looking out, out of, of PJs. yeah, out, out of out of uh, out of hand and stuff. And I think that if it had if he had worked with his future self a little bit more, yeah. I think it would have cleared up this messiness about him going back at the end because you're like, oh, it is O'Brien. But they play them as very different characters, I think. Um the R. O'Brien who goes back is ready to make the noble sacrifice, and the other O'Brien kind of strikes me as a little bit cowardly on some level. Um, but he shouldn't be. He should be Miles O'Brien willing to go back and save the day by going back in time. So I've sort of just realized that I guess earlier in the episode we have O'Brien talk about how creepy it felt to see to check his body for a pulse to see himself dead. And I guess the in theory, then, future O'Brien, when he comes back at the end, has gone through that experience and will have to live with that. He has seen what we learn early in the episode seems to be a really uh, drastic thing for Miles O'Brien to process. Uh, but again, that's not really in the script. That, that's us realizing it, having spent 45 minutes talking about the show. You know, It's right. like they, they, they haven't had Miles O'Brien have a closing 25 seconds of confronting his his own mortality it's just sort of went like oh well on to next week's adventure right and that's why i that's why i like whispers better um because whispers makes me think about things at the very end um because it's a the thing about whispers is is it's really a sort of like mind fuck with you about what's gone and like how they treated o'brien what o'brien thought he was and stuff like that and i don't think visionary really ends up hitting on that level no, it doesn't. It's it's also uh, it's also. I I just I my I guess my not my concern, but I'm really hoping that you know we're now into serialized storytelling. But will these one-off character moments start to have an impact on the characters? I mean, I don't want you to give away too much, obviously, but you know this is a Miles O'Brien who now should be a different character. But I'm guessing he'll just revert back to type next time, right? He will. He, he, and yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense because he kind of is just Miles O'Brien. Even at, well, the end of, yeah, sure. even at the end of the episode, he's kind of cavalier about it. He's just like, oh, it's kind of like a sitcom ending. He's like, I'll see you guys later. And he, as he knows the future for a couple hours. Um, I will say, though, I he'll, did enjoy the ending immensely. He'll, he'll stay the same. But anyway, we are, uh, we talked about this one for a while. We're going to take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. And me and Neil are going to come back. We'll give our final thoughts. We'll read some patron thoughts. And then we'll call it a day. Miles, you've got your answer. The quantum singularity that's been orbiting the station, it's the Romulans. Are you listening? The Romulans use a confined singularity to power their warp core. That's what we've been detecting. That's what's causing the time shifts. You must go back and tell them to put up the shields and stand by for an attack. I can't. I can't get through another shift. It's the radiation poisoning. You go. Just activate it. It's set for the return trip. Me? I'm, I don't belong there. I'm you. You're me. It just doesn't matter. Just go. Go! 
All right, everybody. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the podcast and react to them. Christian Pouch says, Visionary, the book of DS9, chapter 3, verse 16, O'Brien must suffer. Is this the first sci-fi story that DS9 has done really well? Really, it's not pure sci-fi, but rather a detective mystery story framed by a sci-fi element, and it works really well. It's backed up by the Romulan story in the background, from which we get some great Kira yelling scenes, and the two converge quite nicely. All in all, a fantastic episode. Agreed. Uh, Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Visionary, Dabo, O'Brien permanently being the wrong O'Brien is a great idea. It may never come up again, but I can always yes. read it into his ill-at-ease expression. So there's your answer for that question. <laughs> There we go. Yes, we, we, we know, guys. We know. We can watch the show and tell our significant others, actually, this isn't the real Miles O'Brien. It's future <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> Anthony Alvarado says, Visionary, it's O'Brien, so it's good. Actually, all I really wanted to say is that this episode reminds me of the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before, where they explain why O'Brien is shifting, like putting too much air in a balloon, end quotes. If you haven't seen that Futurama episode, it's worth a watch. I have not seen that Futurama episode. Me either. So no, it, it sounds great. Stephen Cobb says, Visionary, O'Brien must suffer, which is the storyline that we're going to go and stick with going forward. We're a little bit early, so those are the, all the, uh, the comments that people have had. But thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Neil, what are you going to give this one on our one to five scale? Um, well, I should say, just for the clip, I was going to say that I actually really enjoyed the Dabo sign-off line from O'Brien. I'm sorry. Okay. It was cheesy. It was very 1970s sitcom. But God damn it, Meany can pull that off. God, he's just the best, isn't he? Uh, I <laughs> Right, I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to give it a five. Okay, interesting. So you, you, you really enjoyed it, it, sounds like. Yeah, I think I'd probably, you know, if, if I was to sit down and do a kind of spreadsheet of actually ranking the episodes properly, it's probably a four. Yeah. But it is definitely <laughs> that moment where I, I looked at it and thought, oh, I'm really going to enjoy this show now. You know, I've been forcing myself a little bit to get through some episodes. There's a few stinkers still in there. You know, there's enough in here to make me go, yes, this, this really is the show that everyone builds it up to be, which is great because it, it would be really dis- depressing if everyone had built it up so much. And the things that they talked about, like Cisco being a badass, like O'Brien must suffer, like the, the growing character development, if that hadn't come to pass. But I can really see it now starting to come to pass. And it, it feels great as a nerd who has four more, four and a half seasons of this stuff to go. Um, I'll give it a four. I think I, I think that the the time travel aspect kind of holds it back for me. Although I love the way that they mix the storylines, I think that's a very effective a mixing of the Romulan with the time travel aspect. Um, I think it's good. I think I prefer Whispers on some level a little bit. They're very similar. I don't mean to compare them endlessly to each other, but I I think I just this episode is missing a little bit of what I think is special about Whispers, and Whispers elevates that material a little bit. But I'll give it a four. I think it's a very strong episode. It's a good O'Brien episode. It's a good uh, random one to throw on kind of uh, episode. Uh, but that's about it. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving comments. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. You get to come on, do podcasts if you're on a certain uh, tier. You can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We get all the podcasts that go up extra. And that's about it. Otherwise, social media, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Discord is the big one. You can go to Discord. We have a little uh, server link. It'll be in the podcast blurb or the uh, video description on YouTube. Real Ripe and Real Rotten will be coming back. Badass, the podcast, should be coming up at some point soon. We're almost done. Or Clay's almost done with those. I think that's it. Neil, 
Thank you very much for coming on again. Thank you for putting up with the uh, technical difficulties, but we got through no, it, I think. We're done. I, I think all the problems are on my end, so thank you for bearing, uh, <laughs> bearing with me. Uh, no Miles O'Brien am I. I cannot fix anything, so uh, thank you for bearing with me. And, uh, you know, from all the patrons, as always, Wes, thanks for putting together a podcast that is bound above every other Star Trek podcast. <laughs> and trust, me, trust me, I've listened to some of them. And if you join my Patreon scheme, I'll tell you which ones I really don't like for just $10 a month. <laughs> that'll, be, uh, that'll be next in line. Well, thank you. That's, oh, that's very kind. We tried to do... And, and uh, yeah, it, it, well, it's just great to have like dissonant voices, honestly, to have people who don't just go, well, the show's good now, thank, hallelujah, like I do. But people who go, it's good. Here's what it could do better. And you and Claire are doing a great job of that and all the other Patreons. And, and Darren Mooney, the second best Irish guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's stiff competition i mean does uh, i guess oh that's my a god question he was for... so good he is he is very good um he'll be back oh my god it's terrible he was so good <laughs> but the um what does there there's a disproportionate number of irish and british listeners is star trek just on tv constantly over there or something like i i'm sort of surprised by the amount of um overseas listeners there are you know it it, uh, it used to be uh, i i don't really have like i guess the equivalent of basic cable in the states sure. I, I used to have that growing up and i don't really anymore we're sort of a netflixy streamy sort of uh, household now but it yeah certainly on on sky one which is one of the bigger um uh, satellite tv channels uh sunday afternoon was star trek it was tng it was ds9 it was voyager all in a big block there was tng on every evening so i reckon for nerds of our age it, it was pretty impactful in the uk you get a decent amount of conventions too and people coming across and then i think as well what happened and certainly how i discovered the pod it's something we talked about on discord uh was they dropped the the, the tng and ds9 i think arrived on netflix about a year and a half ago and your podcast was sort of like really finding its feet then so yeah. it's sort of there's a nice symmetry there or a nice um still is there's a nice overlay <laughs> no 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 i mean i just you know i remember listening to the early podcast which was you on your own talking about like justice which must have been very difficult yes and uh so you know as you and, and clay have become the kind of cornerstone of the show god i'm really sucking up now and other people have joined the show as well it's just been a nice i think the timing has been really nice and um yeah, it's been great. I had one quick uh, non sequitur as well. Was to, sure. I, I've said it to you on Discord, but I want to recommend it on the on the record. Adam Curtis documentaries. I think a lot of people who like DS Nine and thinking about big issues that DS Nine brings up will like them. It's basically a guy, an amazing documentary maker, let loose in the BBC archives. He mixes music with amazing historical pictures and makes you think about things like Trump and Syria and the Middle East and oil and British politics and everything big in a really uh, intelligent way. And I think you would where, love them. Where do you watch it? Listeners would. Uh, you can get, uh, I'm not sure in the States, I'm sure BBC America probably has access to it. Anyone in the UK can watch it on iPlayer. And there's some stuff knocking around on YouTube that I probably shouldn't plug. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, people can check that out. Uh, the times they are changing, as the song would say. Um, I don't think I have a non sequitur, but uh, let me see here quickly. No, the baby's starting to cry in the background, so we should wrap this oh, up. Oh, God, but... go to the baby. Go to the baby. Unless future Wes can go to and the baby. He's, he probably, that's probably the reason he's crying is because he's future Wes <laughs> is in there talking to him, and he's like, I don't, give, I don't care about anything you have to say. Uh, that's about it. Neil, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Wes. It, it, I bet the audio just crashed right now, did it? He seemed to be gone, but I will uh, wrap it up. There he's back. Yeah, just wrap it up. Wrap it up quick. We're ahead of ourselves. <laughs> the here. internet's collapsing just like the New World Order. Guys, thank you very much for listening to the show. Neil, thanks for coming on, and we will be back next time, and I'll see you in a couple days. Thanks. <laughs>